This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, hello and a happy Friday. If you are in the Des Moines area driving around or whatever, stay warm. Come Sunday, we'll be in the 20s. But until then... This continues on. Kira, I have not seen you. You were not in studio last week because of the ridiculous weather that we get here in central Iowa. <laughs> I don't feel like I've seen. Then there was like the week before I was sick. <laughs> so there was no show. Like I haven't seen you in weeks. It's been a whole year. I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> uh, uh. And there goes that. Uh, hello, if you're watching on the stream on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Happy to have you. A lot of football to get to. A lot of football. Like, I, what a weekend we have. Because we just got done, you know, Super Wild Card Weekend was in the books. Two games Sunday because of the snowstorm in Buffalo. We got two games on Monday, right? Wild Card Weekend's fine. But Divisional Weekend, usually, on paper, traditionally, whichever way you want to put it, Divisional Weekend is always the best weekend. Because last week, yeah. It was great. We had six games. Five of them were blowouts. There was one good game on paper. Now, as a Green Bay Packers fan, I loved the game on Sunday when they went down to Dallas and handled the Cowboys. And I thought that was the end of Mike McCarthy's coaching career in Big D, but I was wrong about that. But really, let's say you didn't have a dog in the fight. Let's say you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You don't really care who wins at this point because your team is out or you're a fan of the Saints or the Seahawks or whatever. Last week kind of stunk unless you were gambling. And that, by the way, will always keep eyes on the TVs during the NFL playoffs. It doesn't matter how good or bad the matchups are. As long as there's gambling and you can play numbers and parlays and everything like that, everybody will continue to watch the National Football League, even in the postseason, even if you don't have a team that's playing. And now we're down to eight. And these are the teams, like these eight teams, these matchups are incredible. And we're going to work our way through the entire weekend and talk about some stuff. Also, I do want to get to, you know, as a Green Bay Packers fan, I do want to get to some other things that are happening in the NFC North. One, I think is just hilarious what the Bears are about to do. All right. I'll tell you about that coming up. But how the other two teams in the North, how the Vikings and the Lions how they can improve themselves without hurting themselves and and doing what Green Bay has done for three decades now. I'll, I'll get to that coming up in just a bit. Also, I don't want to crap on a member of the media, but did you happen to hear the question that Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, did you happen to hear what he was asked? We'll get to that later on in the show as well. Now, I'm going to say something that is not terribly popular amongst NFL fans. Lamar Jackson should not win the MVP. The MVP in the National Football League is a, in my, I thought it was, and I might be, maybe I'm wrong. But the MVP 
in the National Football League. That award is for 17 games, right? A full season. Did anybody remember or does anybody remember what Lamar Jackson did up until like week six? He was mediocre. Now, the last six weeks, he's been unbelievable. And if you just started watching football, say, right before Thanksgiving, and you started watching Lamar Jackson play, there is no doubt in my mind you would vote for Lamar Jackson to be the MVP. But if you go back to week one, where he threw for 169 yards and had a pick and had zero touchdowns, and then week two, he had a couple of touchdowns against Cincinnati in a win. And then the following week against Indianapolis, he didn't throw a touchdown, got in the end zone and a couple on the ground. Didn't throw a touchdown the following week against Cleveland. I take that back. He threw two against Cleveland, but then the following week, didn't have any against Pittsburgh. So we're talking about a guy, this is a quarterback award. We all know that. It's a quarterback award. We're talking about a guy who had four touchdown passes in the first five weeks. You're like, well, Wicked, what about on the ground? He had four touchdowns in the first five weeks on the ground as well. All right, I'll, I'll listen to that. But th- 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 this is not MVP caliber numbers. Eight touchdowns in five weeks is good. It's not MVP good. The following game against Tennessee, he had one touchdown, one pick, nothing on the ground. Like we're not, again, I'm just looking at this from a full season perspective. You look at the final six games, though. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how we're just crowning Lamar Jackson. People are crowning Lamar Jackson in a year where for the first nine weeks of the year, everyone was screaming. Give the award to somebody who's not a quarterback. For the first time in forever, give it to Tyreek Hill. Give it to Christian McCaffrey. Give it to whoever your guy was. This was the year because Mahomes wasn't great. Josh Allen wasn't great. There was no Aaron Rodgers because of the injury. Lamar wasn't great. What changed? Why did we quit? Why did we stop having this mindset of give the award to somebody who's not a quarterback? Because Lamar was good the first half of the year. You know, Lamar Jackson has not had a rushing touchdown since October 22nd against the Detroit Lions in a game they blew Detroit out 28-0 by halftime. Lamar doesn't have a rushing touchdown since that game. Now he's got a bunch of passing touchdowns, but he's only 11th overall in passing touchdowns. He's only got five rushing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson had 29 total touchdowns. Hell, Jordan Love threw more touchdowns than that. Dak Prescott threw more touchdowns than that. So even if you say, well, we got to give it to a quarterback, because that's what we always do, I wouldn't even give it to Lamar if I had to give it to a quarterback. Honestly, regular season, say what you want. I'm not a fan. I'd give it to Dak. I'm sitting here in a Green Bay Packers hoodie. You know me. Ready, go, Pack, go. I wouldn't give it to Jordan Love, even though his numbers are better than Lamar. Why? Because Love had that middle part of the year where he was bad. Packers offense was bad, like weeks three through seven or something along those lines. But why do we have to give the MVP to Lamar Jackson just because he had a good 
month and a half to close out the year. I get it. Those are the money games, cold weather games. We've always dogged Lamar because he doesn't play great in you know November, December. And if they get to January, if the schedule or the playoffs, always playoff, Lamar comes up. But you're talking about a guy who was 15th in passing yards, 24th in passing touchdowns, and seven picks. Like, I get it. He did stuff with his legs that nobody else can do. But of all the years, why is it we, for, for the first two and a half months, we were screaming, give it to a running back, give it to a receiver. And then he has five good games, and it's like, that Lamar locked it up, about to be MVP number two. This should be Christian McCaffrey's award. This should be Christian McCaffrey's award. I mean, he had the streak of like 16 games with a touchdown or whatever. The guy is over 2,000 total yards. The guy is over 20 total touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP. He's been good, if not great, since week one. He's been the best player in the National Football League on offense. And you have to give it to an offensive player, right? You can't give it to anybody on defense. God forbid the defensive player. God forbid TJ Watt wins the league's MVP. No, we have a whole award for the best defensive player. We don't, we don't give that to anybody on defense. But here he is, Lamar Jackson, who has proven everybody last offseason wrong. Remember remember the big holdout for Lamar? He was waiting around, and teams were swearing they didn't want Lamar. Remember the Atlanta Falcons? Their owner, Arthur Smith, saying, no, we like what we have. The commanders didn't make a run at him. All these teams that Lamar was rumored to be interested in, that he wanted the guaranteed contract from, nobody was willing to take a chance on Lamar because of A, guaranteed money. We see what's happening with Deshaun Watson. And B, the way that he plays, how injury-prone he could be. Well, Lamar proved everybody wrong. Lamar proved everybody wrong. Think about Atlanta. Atlanta's got a a top-10 defense. They have the best young running back in the National Football League. They have arguably the best young tight end who's criminally wasted by Arthur Smith and Kyle Pitts. They have a really good young wide receiver in Drake London. They didn't want Lamar. Imagine what that team would have looked like with Lamar instead of Desmond Ritter. Imagine instead of trying it out with Sam Howell and flip-flopping between Sam Howell and Tyler or Taylor Heineke. What could Lamar Jackson have done with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel? And that backfield in Washington. But no, they wanted to go with Heineke and Sam Howell. Every team that didn't want to take a chance or pay Lamar has got egg all over their face. Because here's Baltimore hosting the divisional round. If they get to the AFC Championship game, it's going to go through Baltimore. Lamar's on the way to winning his second MVP, even though I wouldn't vote for him. But he's on his way to winning the second MVP of his NFL career. Just amazing, amazing to where, from where we were one year ago or eight months ago to where we are right now. And these Ravens, you know, they started out, what, one, two, three and two so far on the year. New offense, Todd Munkin. I always, I've talked about this seemingly like a skipping record every single year. When you bring in a new coordinator, it doesn't matter if it's on offense or if it's on defense. It does not matter. It takes time. You have one month to install everything. You have a couple of spring practices, of course, with the OTAs, organized team activities, and then these other ones that happen in the summer. But really, you got a month of training camp, and then you have to hit the ground running with the preseason games that nobody cares about 
And the Ravens, like everybody who brings in a new coordinator, the Ravens didn't look great for five weeks. Things started to click. Lamar, who everybody dogs his accuracy, Lamar started to play better. They started putting together wins. We sat down with uh, Chris Berman, and Lamar was asked about what has changed for these Baltimore Ravens. I wouldn't say the noise is different. You know, it's just it's just to blind you how I see it. Four weeks ago, the Raven team was iffy. But now since we, we beat great teams, now it's like, yeah, they're the front runners, this and that. You know, so it's, we got to stay in our shell and just keep our eyes on the prize. Can't let none of the noise bother us. I mean, they beat Miami to end the year. They won at San Francisco pretty handily. If everybody remembers that football game. Uh, they won at Jacksonville to beat the Rams in overtime. I mean, that was a really... If, they, if the Ravens don't beat the Rams, L.A. finishes the year, I think, on an eight-game winning streak. That's, that's pretty impressive. But Miami, the Niners, at Jacksonville, maybe the Jags aren't as good as everybody thought. And then beating that Rams team, he's right. Like they, they beat good teams at the end of the year and got really hot. And this whole time, Lamar has been trying to just stay focused. I'm just taking up but, um, two notches from uh, the end of regular season. Just stay locked in on what's in front of us. Don't get complacent. You know, um, Don't think too much of the outside noise. Don't think too much of anything. Just keep focusing on what we need to focus on to get to our destination. And he is going to win the MVP. I don't know what the what DraftKings has it at, but he is going to wind up winning the MVP. He wouldn't get my vote, but I don't get a vote. Maybe that's probably good. But it'll be his second MVP. And Lamar Jackson was asked by Chris Berman, what's changed since his first MVP a couple of years ago? I'm more vocal now. You know, I was that was my really my first year fully starting. And right. Being around a bunch of grown men, you know, um, trying to lead lead the Raven organization. They pretty much wanted me to lead it, but I just didn't know how to lead, you know, at the time. I was still young. That's interesting, too. I think it's a really interesting soundbite when you hear someone say, I didn't know how to lead. I think he won the MVP at the age of 23 or 22, which is nuts for a guy in his, what, second year to to come in and win the MVP. And he's going to join in a very elite class. Like, I can't name everybody who's won two MVPs, but the names like Rodgers, Manning, like, those those are guys that win multiple MVPs in the National Football League. And he might be one of those guys to win, too. Oh, man, that's just respect amongst, you know, the voters, uh, my peers. I'll be joining some elite company. The only thing I'm missing is a championship if I get that. That's the biggest goal of mine. So if I do get to, to get a second MVP, that'd be great. That'd be a blessing. It would be. And they get the Houston Texans coming up, which I think can be a pretty good football game. I mean, you've got Lamar and that offense, and they are rolling. And then you got that defense who is one of the best, if not the best, in the National Football League. And here comes a rookie quarterback. And last minute, because I know we got to get to break, last note on Lamar Jackson. He's probably the most electric player in the NFL. No doubt. But playoff Lamar is still in the back of a lot of people's minds. A guy who can't get it done in the in the most important games of his career. Yeah, you can go ahead and take care of Miami in Week 18 or the Niners in Week 17 or whatever, but can you get it done in January with everybody? Because here comes Houston. Houston, a lot like my Packers. Very young, playing with house money. First-year quarterback, rookie quarterback in Stroud. Dude's been amazing. They don't know they're not supposed to be here. Houston doesn't realize they should not be in this situation. Houston was supposed to lose last week. Houston wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs. This was supposed to be the Jaguars. But they, the Jaguars stunk this year. And here comes Houston. 
with house money, nothing to lose coming into your building, Lamar better beat the Houston Texans. And if he doesn't, ooh, going to be a lot of criticism. Hey, here's your MVP. You got beat by a rookie quarterback in your own building. Better get it done. Straight ahead, we, of course, will be talking about the 13-time world champion, Green Bay Packers, and pull off the upset as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. We'll get to that. And I can't believe what the Bears are going to do. I'll explain next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? All right, hold on. We're getting redressed if you're watching. Hang on. Hang on. All right, let me get dressed. It got hot in the studio. We're going to have a problem. Jacket back on. Put up. Look more like Eminem. Is this better? Does this look more like Eminem, Kira? See, it's uncanny. Right? All right. I hope you all were watching. Uh, by the way, this is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. If you're watching on the uh, ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, I've got my... Since you played Eminem there, Kara, since you played Eminem, I was like, all right, let me do my Eminem. Because I saw him at Ford Field last week. And I got to tell you, I was appalled. Appalled. What? It was it was <laughs> disgusting. I don't watch football games to see celebrities having fun. Stop <laughs> showing me a musician at a football game wearing team colors and having a rooting interest. How dare Fox? I watch football for football, not for celebrities. <laughs> Doesn't that sound dumb now? Doesn't it just sound really, really dumb to say that? Because I know the Brad's dads and Chad's hate the fact that Taylor Swift gets all the attention, like, you know, a total of 40 seconds of screen time in a matter of a three-hour football game. And yet still, bros today, we've been doing this since, like, October, right? She's been going to games since October, and people are still pissed that she's up there, like, Having cocktails, cocktails with Brittany, Brittany Mahomes and, you know, high-fiving fans and showing up in that awesome Travis Kelsey jacket. But nobody cared that Eminem is in a Sam Laporta jersey rooting on Detroit. And they showed him on TV a lot. <laughs> I didn't see one bit of social media outrage about Eminem having drinks or watching football. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift shows up because she's dating Travis Kelsey in the coldest game in Arrowhead history. And people were like, get her off my TV. Grow up. Grow up. All right. And here, anybody complaining about Eminem getting all the screen time, hanging out with his family. Yeah, Taylor Swift has one cocktail or five with Brittany Mahomes. And she's ruining the viewing experience. The best part was like half of the bros that hate Taylor Swift couldn't watch the game last week because it was on Peacock. So we didn't see as much outrage. But when she wore that Travis Kelsey jacket, oh, it's fire. As soon as we saw, I was sitting there watching the game with my wife, and I'm like, oh, Lee, that jacket. Because it's a jersey. It's the 8-7. And then somebody took the jersey and then made it into a puffy coat. And the woman who actually did it, she's got a design company. Her husband plays fullback for the 49ers. His name is Kyle Juszczyk. And so his wife, so if you see every picture that was posted of Taylor in the jacket, Juszczyk is tagging his wife. Like this is boom, boom. She picked up 100,000 Instagram followers overnight after that game. All the Swifties, I'm sure, 
She also made one for Simone Biles because her husband is Jonathan Owens of the Packers. So she's got the puffy vest version. I was like, those things are sweet. I'm sure we can't afford them as normal people, but I'm sure, you know, if you're a celebrity worth a billion dollars, like Taylor Swift, or you're the greatest of all time, like uh, Simone Biles or whatever, you can afford that kind of stuff. But if you're Mike Wickett, working for 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines, and I love my job, probably can't, that jacket, see if you can find out how much a custom-made Jordan Love jacket would cost me. If I turned in my replica jersey that was $25 bought from China, how much it would it would cost to turn that thing into a jacket. I digress. Welcome back in, by the way. <laughs> Again, it just I go back to it. Like, I saw Eminem on the screen on Sunday night. I didn't care. It was great. Like, good for him. I like it when, you know, they're like us. They're cheering. They're going nuts. Everybody in Detroit was going nuts. Get to the Lions coming up in a bit. And why Detroit should really, honestly, and I don't just say this because I'm an unabashed Packers honk, but why Detroit should really look at what Green Bay is doing. And I mean very soon. I realize Detroit's in the driver's seat and they own the North right now and probably will be the favorite to win the North again next year. Who knows? But they could look at what Green Bay has done and do it to ensure that they have a dog in the fight in the NFC North forever and it's not just same old Lions. We'll get to that. Um, so last week, my neighbors and I, uh, are all football fans, right? My neighbor to the east of me, he's a big Bills fan. My neighbor, John, my neighbor, two doors down, Alex, my buddy, he is a big Packers fan like me. He's just, he owns a, a, a piece of paper that says he's an owner, like he's a shareholder and he's got his kids on the ticket waiting list. Just like I have mine on the ticket waiting list. I'm over a hundred thousand seats away, but we'll get there eventually by the time my kids all turn 60. And then the neighbor across the street, the neighbor right across the street, Shane, our buddy, big Cowboys fan. He hangs the Cowboys flag. He's got the big inflatable Cowboys helmet sitting on his lawn. Oddly enough, the big giant Cowboys helmet disappears real quick after Cowboy losses. It was weird. So he's like, hey, guys, I'll have the watch party. Why don't we come over? And we get there. And all week, Shane's been talking trash to uh, Alex and I, the two Packers fans in the neighborhood, about how, you know, this defense, Micah Parsons, Dak's going to tear apart Joe Barry's defense. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably all going to happen. And man, oh man, was he quiet when it was 20 to nothing in that second quarter. When it was 27 to nothing. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was great. That was fantastic. I didn't see that coming. I thought Green Bay would lose 34-31, but stay within the number. I did not see a blowout. And the only reason that the score looked like it was somewhat of a close football game is because Matt LaFleur, for whatever reason, decided he was going to pull his starters with six minutes to go on the road in a playoff game. You didn't see Mike McCarthy wave the white flag. You didn't see Dak Prescott wave the white flag. They just sucked during the game. But you put in your backups. You put in Sean Clifford. You benched Jordan Love. Terrible decision. All of a sudden, to stop the bleeding, everybody went back in, game over, Packers win. And they're on to San Francisco. And this is a different beast. Not an unbeatable beast, but a different beast. Once you got past CeeDee Lamb, you weren't really worried about any of the other wide receivers for for Dallas. Meanwhile, you got Debo and Brandon Ayuk, who are over there, who are having... Ayuk had a career year, about to get paid. Debo had his typical good games, bad games, and got banged up. Jake Ferguson, good tight end. 
real good tight end. A dude I would want in a street fight with me from Dallas. He's no George Kittle, all right? Kittle's a monster. Kittle is a wild man. He is the guy I am most scared of. Then you look at the running back. Tony Pollard, bust. Complete bust of a season for Tony Pollard. And then on the other side, it's the guy I think should win MVP this year, and that's Christian McCaffrey. You know, we we gave up on Christian McCaffrey a little bit early a few years ago, and he's proven to be, A, durable, and B, still the best in the league. So this is a very different beast for the Packers' defense to try to scheme up and contain. But it can be done. I mean, Brock Purdy threw four picks in a game a couple of weeks ago because of pressure, because if you can get Brock Purdy off of his mark, that is what you have to do with most quarterbacks, especially guys who are not really a threat to run. Like, it was tough to beat Tom Brady. But if you could get pressure, which was always tough because Tom read pressure so well, and Tom always had a really good offensive line, and Tom's the GOAT, right? But if you can get Purdy, like you could, if you got Tom Brady off his mark, he might throw a bad pass. He might throw a pick. He might get rushed, and you might knock into Tom Brady, and he might remember you, and you'll probably get a penalty called. But with Purdy, it's the same thing. Purdy's not going to pick up. He's not Lamar Jackson, all right? He's not going to rush for 250 in a game or 200 in a game. That's just not his style. He's not Josh Allen. But if you can get Purdy off of his mark, you might influence a few bad throws. But Packers head coach Matt LaFleur knows that this San Francisco team, with all those weapons, they're tough to scout. Well, they got many challenges. They've got, first of all, you know how much respect I have for just their their overall scheme, but they do a great job of of mixing and and keeping you off balance in in terms of their ability to run the football. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, they got a great offensive line. Purdy has played at an MVP level. And then you have the receivers. Also, you have Kittle in there. So it's a well-balanced offense. You You got to do something to kind of take them off their game somehow, some way. That's going to be the, our challenge. Now, they lost, I think, four games this year, five games this year, the 49ers. They lost the last game of the year. Nobody played. All right, the Rams beat them. Nobody played. A couple weeks before they beat, I'm sorry, they lost to the Ravens, as mentioned, in that game where Brock Purdy threw four picks. The only other times they lost games this year, they were without Debo Samuel and maybe the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams. So when you those were games in the middle of the year against the Vikings, the Bengals, and can't remember the third game. But this is a team that is so good, so loaded, and Kyle Shanahan is such a good coach that you know you're going up against a team that is just going to absolutely test you. Well, you better play your best. Also, you better buckle your chin strap because they're a very physical football team, and if you don't match that physicality, they'll run you right off the field. So that is a challenge for us. Like I said, I got a lot of respect for their play style, for their players, their coaches, and you have got to play your best in order to to play one of the elite teams in the National Football League. The last time Green Bay went to San Francisco and won a playoff game over the Niners in their building Jordan Love wasn't alive. That's how long it's been. There have been a couple of times they've gone out there with Aaron Rodgers, and LaFleur just said something I think is key. And the Packers, under Mike McCarthy or or Matt LaFleur, with Rodgers at quarterback, seem to be more of a finesse team. You go up against San Francisco, they're going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to out-physical you, like he just talked about. you got to strap up your chin strap, and you got to play physical because this is a football team with dudes that hit. You got Bosa on one side, all those weapons on the offense that we're talking about. This is a physical 
team. If you punch them in the mouth, they'll punch right back. If they, the Packers came out of the gates and punched Dallas in the mouth. Dallas went to their corner. They did not know what to do at home. Because at home, Dallas was the best team in the National Football League. I think they were plus 173 or plus 171 or whatever at Jerry World. All of a sudden, they look up. They're losing by a touchdown in the first few minutes. Aaron Jones runs through them like a knife through butter. Then they're down 14. Then they're down 20. It was a, it was over. Like, you just knew they were not going to be able to get off the bat. This is not that team. The Niners are not that kind of a football team. Green Bay is going to have to play their best game of the year. And I don't think they're going to win. I don't. It's okay, though, because as a Packers fan, I know the future is very, very bright past what happens tomorrow night in the, uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest. I am fine knowing that they're playing with house money, kind of like I talked about with the Houston Texans. But if this team can play their best game of the year, I think they've got a shot. And it comes down, once again, to my guy, Jordan Love. He's true to who he is. Uh, he's not trying to be somebody he's not. I think he's a genuine person. I think that's easy to follow. He's a guy that's absolutely committed to this team, puts everything he has into this thing, and I've been super impressed. He just The more he's out in front, the more comfortable he's, he's gotten, and um, I think he does a great job, not only leading the offense, but as a leader of this football team. Can you play the beginning of that again for me real quick? He's true to who he is. Uh, he's not trying to be somebody he's not. He's, that's, that's him saying he's not trying to be Aaron Rodgers. He is playing his game his way. Now he has plenty of coaching, and we all, every commentator has said the same thing. Boy, that, that sidearm stuff, the light on his feet, the delivery, the one-two go, the, the back shoulder or the back, uh, the back foot throws looks a lot like Aaron when he was in Green Bay. But the thing about Jordan Love that is different from, from Aaron Rodgers at this point that is beneficial. And again, Aaron won four MVPs, all-time great, Hall of Famer. Love him on the field. Off the field? Yeah. Love him on the field. Aaron didn't take a lot of chances. Aaron was so worried about throwing picks. And again, he, it won him four MVPs and a Super Bowl. Jordan Love seems to be more open to taking chances and throwing into tighter windows and lower percentage balls. And so far, and I don't know if it's going to be the same tomorrow when they go into San Francisco and play this game at night, but so far, it's worked out really, really well. I think we all can now agree, all the Jordan Love haters are done, are shutting up. We're not hearing from them anymore. Yeah, it's one year. I had one idiot Bears fan say, you know, Mac Jones played well for a year. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mac Jones, if you look at Jordan Love and you see Mac Jones, I want to play in your fantasy football league because you're an idiot and I'm going to take your money. We'll get to the Lions and Bucks next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. We are talking about the NFC and AFC divisional matchups. This is supposed to be the best weekend of the National Football League, 
These are the eight best teams. We got rid of the wild card teams. We got rid of the overrated Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams were really good, put up a good fight in Detroit last week. That was a good game. Uh, we got rid of the Dallas Cowboys, the frauds that they are. Miami couldn't get off the field fast enough because they were so cold in Kansas City. Pittsburgh didn't belong. Even if they had Kenny Pickett, they didn't belong in this in this postseason tournament. So now we're down to Houston-Baltimore. That's our leadoff game tomorrow. The 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers uh, heading to San Francisco tomorrow night. And then Sunday, the first game of the day, Sunday, the Detroit Lions hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I don't know if you realize this. Maybe you do. These two teams played back in week, what, week six? Yeah, these two teams played back in week six. Uh, Tampa won, I'm sorry, Detroit won that game 20-6. to six. Didn't look, Tampa didn't look very good. And Tampa's one of these teams where you it's you, it's tough to figure Tampa out, isn't it? They go to Green Bay. Baker Mayfield throws four touchdowns at Lambeau, the first visiting quarterback ever to have a perfect passer rating in Green Bay. Two weeks ago, they won 9-0 at Carolina. What? <laughs> very, very Jekyll and Hyde. Then on the playoff in the playoff game on Monday night on Wild Card Weekend, Baker threw three touchdowns against Philly. Now, Philly has a trash secondary, and I believe the worst defense in the NFL or a bottom five defense by whatever metric, they're trash, all right? Matt Patricia couldn't save him. Nothing could save him. We don't know if Nick Sirianni's going to have a job. He hasn't been fired as I've been on the air. Not 100% sure. And they get to go to Detroit. And they get to go to a team that just beat a really good Rams team. And this Detroit team starts to kind of feel like a team of, of a little destiny, right? I got all my family is back in Detroit. Uh, George is watching on the Facebook page right now. He's a Detroit Lions fan. He writes a, a comment, Detroit football. We'll throw back there like that. But here comes Detroit and Tampa Bay. By the way, the get-in price, if you want to go to this game on the secondary markets, the get-in and stand price is $700. $700 to stand at a football game. I love football and going to games, but ain't no way I'm paying 700 bucks to stand there. That's not a me thing. I'm a couch guy. I'll be good. I'll be in my living room pacing and pacing and pacing. All right? So this is massive because... If Detroit, should Detroit lose, I have to wonder. Let me back this up. I was in Detroit for Thanksgiving. That's where my family is. And I was there. And I was the only guy in the Packers jersey, Packers sweater. I had my Green Bay Packers sweater on. And if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, maybe you saw my dad was in his ugly Lions sweater. I was in an ugly Packers sweater. And we watched the game. And it was pretty much over by halftime, right? So Jordan Love, maybe the coming out party because of the national television audience. Green Bay goes and wins, and they beat the Lions. I'm driving around the very next day, day after Thanksgiving, on Black Friday. And I have to go pick up, like, milk or something like that for my kids. And I'm listening to the big sports talk station down in Detroit. And fans are losing their bleeping minds because of a loss to Green Bay. Because Jordan Love came into Ford Field and embarrassed Detroit in what is usually their Super Bowl, the Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving Day game. And 
I, I swear, half the callers, half the Lions fans that I heard call into these shows were talking about how they need to get rid of Goff. They got to do this. They have to make all these changes. Is general manager Brad Holmes, is he the right guy for the job? And I was driving around laughing, partially because I'm like, eh, come on, guys, same old Lions. But it was November. They had a lot of time to write a few things, pick up a few more wins, gain, gain some momentum, and, and they're still, at that time, they were locked to make the playoffs, right? And the Dallas game happens with the funky ending, with the Diddy, he did, the referee screwed it up, and Lions fans are like crying, like, oh, it's always happens to us. I had to talk to my dad. It's like, dad, bad stuff happens to every team. You just watch the Lions play every week. That's why you think it happens to you more often than anybody. Lions weren't involved in the fail Mary. That was Packers and Seahawks on Monday night. That ended the ref strike, if you remember. So it happens to everybody. But it feels like Pat, uh, every Lions fan I know feels really good. But in the back of their mind, here comes SOL, same old Lions, ready to rear its ugly head again and rip this promising season. Look, the Lions are two games away from the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody my age, and I'm 42, I don't think anybody my age ever thought we'd be saying that, that the Lions are this close to the Super Bowl. Will they win on Sunday? I think they will. I was 5-1 and one in my picks last week. I had Philly. I was 4-2 and two against the spread, 5-1 and one overall. I've got the Lions winning this football game. But don't be surprised if Todd Bowles brings blitz after blitz after blitz, brings all that pressure. And is able to get golf because that's how the that's what the the Packers were able to do. Now they don't blitz, but the Packers were able to bring all kinds of pressure with four most of the time. And golf had three turnovers. I think he threw picks on back to back plays, and that completely flips a football game. So if if Tampa's going to win this game, I think they're going to have to get tons of pressure on Jared Goff, force him into mistakes, and then hope that you get the good Baker. Because if you get good Baker, like we saw last week with Mike Evans and company and Chris Godwin against that trash secondary that Detroit has, I think Tampa can make this a game in the fourth quarter. I don't think it's going to happen, but I know it can happen. Key in this one also might be Rashad White, the Tampa running back. But more on him in a moment. Back to Jared Goff. You gotta love the story of Goff beating the Rams, right? Like, that is such a cool Hollywood NFL story. And then he and Baker Mayfield both trying to get back to the, uh, the, the conference championship game both trying to get to a conference championship game with teams that did not draft them. <laughs> I think there's so many fun storylines in this one. One of the storylines that Lions fans are trying to kill is the idea of same old Lions. And Jared Goff says those past failures, they don't matter this weekend. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, we've been saying it all year. It's about this team. It has nothing to do with the last 30 years here. And obviously that's the, the case for the city and the fans and a lot of you guys. But to us, it's about us. Winning games and being in a spot now in the playoffs where we can continue our season every week. Have those chances is, is important. The regular season is great. But again, these two teams met in week six. Detroit won 20 to six. And Goff knows that that game has no bearing on what's going to happen on Sunday. Yeah, they're good, man. They're really good, and they were really good when we played them the first time and, and, and made it hard on us. Yeah, we'll have our hands full, and they've been playing well. Do you feel like it's anything y'all can take from facing them you know, at a point this year that can help them? I don't know. Yeah, it's so long ago, and they're such a different team, and so are we. I mean, there's certain guys that were you know, on our team then and on their team then that just aren't on the team anymore and for whatever reasons. But, yeah, it's it's different teams. It's a different time of the year. It's at a different location. You know, there's a lot of differences there, but I know they're a good team. I know they're good defense. I just know that that stadium is one of the loudest in the National Football League. I just heard Calvin Johnson on the show right before I came on the air here talking about 
being in the in in Ford Field last week when they played the Rams, and it was just the 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 noise is incredible. Loudest stadium I've ever been at Arrowhead. It's the loudest stadium in the NFL. Like your ears crack when those fans are going nuts. Ford Field. I've been to Ford Field for games before. I've never heard it that loud as it was on Sunday, and I I can't imagine they're going to make it easy on Baker Mayfield. I would take the Lions in this football game. What's the spread in this one? Like six and a half, something like that. I would take the Lions in this game. I don't know if they're going to cover. I think Rashad White is going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy that is one of the most dominant running backs in the NFL when it comes to uh, percentage of touches. That's a guy you're going to have to key on if you're Detroit. Real quick before break. Switching gears. Because we're going to get to the Chiefs and Bills and wrap this thing up. Did you see what the Chicago Bears are trying to do? Did you see this? So Adam Schefter, I'm going to make sure I get the tweet right. Ian Rappaport. He and Schefter have the rivalry. Who can get the stories first, right? This was earlier today. Cliff Kingsbury will interview with the Bears for their vacant OC job in Los Angeles per Pete Schrager from the NFL Network. The former Arizona head coach, who was a bust of a head coach, who never, who was a losing coach in college, with Patrick Mahomes. He was a losing coach in college. He goes to the NFL. He was a losing coach in the NFL. He gets a job on Lincoln Riley's staff at USC for one year. Lo and behold, he might get the offensive coordinator job in Chicago. Do it. Bears, please sign Cliff Kingsbury. Drafting Caleb Williams, number one, the quarterback from USC. And hiring Cliff Kingsbury would be the best thing ever for the rest of the NFC North. Without Kingsbury, Caleb Williams threw for over 4,500 yards, had 42 touchdowns and five picks, won the Heisman, and USC won 11 games. You add Kingsbury to the staff. He threw for 900 fewer yards. He threw 12 fewer touchdowns. And USC won three fewer games. Please, Chicago, hire that guy. Make Cliff Kingsbury your offensive coordinator. And I don't want to hear USC honk tell me, well, they lost Jordan Addison. Lincoln Riley and USC recruit the best players in the country. That's USC. That's Lincoln Riley. All right? They'd all they got it. Riley's a great recruiter, usually has a good offense. But I'm telling you right now, Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams as a package deal to Chicago would be awesome for the Packers, Vikings, and Lions. We'll hit the Chiefs and the Bills and that Josh Allen-Patrick Mahomes rivalry next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Thanks for hanging out here on a cold Friday. So, what's the wind chill right now? Twenty below, thirty below, something like that. My parents could not believe the weather we've been getting in Iowa. I talked to my dad on the phone. He's like, "It's what?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's thirty five below. It's actually warmer than yesterday. Like, it's been ridiculous here, just ridiculous here." Before I get to Kansas City and Buffalo, um, I don't want to crap on members of the media. Oftentimes in these situations, uh, 
when the when a game is as big as Tampa Bay at Detroit for the Tampa Bay market, in in a media culture right now where we have fewer and fewer people covering things, and we're asking more people in the media to do more things, I sort of feel bad for this person. But then on the other hand, I don't. Because there's a lot of distrust in the media right now, right? Why are we having these people cover these stories and talk about this? And why is this a story? And what makes this person the best uh, best person for the job? And, you know, real news, fake news. It's, it's, a real, it's a tough time to be in the media right now. Did you happen to hear? Back this up real quick. Detroit has been playing in Ford Field for a long time. And before they were at Ford Field, they played in the Pontiac Silverdome. So since like the middle of the 80s, up until 2024, for like 30 years, all right, Detroit has been playing in an indoor stadium. They don't play outdoors in Detroit. There was a reporter. I don't know her name. I looked. She remains unidentified. But she had, you can, you can, Feel this question getting worse and worse that she's asking the head coach of the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Coach, uh, looking forward uh, for towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, No, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. I applaud. I applaud Todd Bowles for not eviscerating that woman. She obviously is there trying to do a job and cover a topic she doesn't know anything about. It would be like sending me to a country music awards. I would have no idea how to cover the CMAs. I mean, I could cover it, but I wouldn't know what to ask anyone. I would have no idea because country music sucks and I'm not a fan. I would have no clue how to handle that. But I applaud Todd Bowles because he's standing up there. He's got his two hands on the podium and he's just like, what do, what do I, what do I say to this question? Because she has got, maybe she was pulled off like the entertainment section for her local paper down in Tampa to go write a different kind of piece that may not appeal to me than massive sports fan, but Kira potentially to you, someone who, Maybe it's a human interest piece. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a knock on you. You're just not a, you're not a nerd. You're not a sports nerd at all. You like hockey. Okay, you're a hockey nerd. That's fine. But, like, she was asked to come up with questions for a piece, probably in a different section, not the hardcore sports section of the paper or the website or whatever. And there are other coaches, like Bill Belichick, who would have made her feel this tiny. She already feels this tiny. Yeah. Because as she's asking it, I can picture all the other members of the media that are sitting there and they're all turning their heads and they're all looking at each other like, what is she asking? Is she really asking this? And then they all look back up at Bowles. They all look up at the head coach and they're like, what's this answer going to be? Because there are some coaches that would have treated her like crap. Some coaches would have been like, 
Why are you asking me that dumb question? They play indoors. It's the dumbest question I've ever heard. I applaud Todd Bowles for not crushing her. Now, that being said, come on, lady. Come on, lady. It's a Google search. (laughs) Even if it's, I mean, (laughs) do like 10 seconds of prep. Do like 30 minutes of prep. Okay, Detroit, where do they play? What do they play in? What are their colors? Who are some great players? Who's the head coach? Like, come on, lady. Media's getting crushed right now by half this country. Come on, lady. Let's get to the Chiefs and Bills. Let's get to the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, Kansas City, the stat of the year is seriously this, or maybe the stat of the last half decade. The Chiefs have played in five straight AFC championship games. Think about that. I mean, that's Brady-esque, right? Mahomes has played in five straight AFC championship games. And not only have all of those AFC championship games been at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, every other playoff game Patrick Mahomes has played in in the last five years has been at Arrowhead in Kansas City. He's never played a road playoff game. He's won two Super Bowls, and those games are neutral site, obviously. He's played in three. But he's never played a road playoff game until this weekend when they go to Buffalo and play the Bills. Here's his head coach, Andy Reid, on the professionalism that Mahomes shows. I tell you all the way around, his preparation is phenomenal. His attitude is phenomenal. His compete is phenomenal. So you you love all of that. We're lucky to have him here. Very hard for a guy like that to have the respect of the team and the organization. And kind of fall, be able to fall into both areas and be comfortable with with both areas without getting labeled whatever uh, you know a schmooze, right? <laughs> so, but he, uh, he he handles both so well. Here's the Patrick Mahomes on his first road. It's unreal to even say it. His first road playoff game. Obviously, I've been lucky enough to play a lot of games at home at Arrowhead Stadium. It kind of just everything's felt that way. Um, but now we get a great opportunity to go on the road, play in a hostile environment. One that I haven't been able to play with fans in the stands. Um, and even though I know it's going to be hostile and it's gonna, there, there are going to be people talking trash and everything like that, I'm excited for it because it's one of the best environments in football. And you want to do that when you grow up watching these games is playing the best environments and see what it's like. The rivalries that are coming out of Patrick Mahomes' career have been amazing. Like, you've got Mahomes and Burrow. That's a rivalry. You would think that Mahomes and Herbert being in the division and playing each other twice, you'd like to think, but Herbert's teams haven't been a threat at all to to Kansas City when it comes to winning the AFC West. But then there's this rivalry between Mahomes and Josh Allen, and it goes back to the 13 seconds left in that game a couple of years ago when Sean McDermott, Blew the game for Buffalo, but I digress. Uh, But that rivalry is there between Mahomes and Josh Allen. Here's the Kansas City side. We've played her twice, but we've played her, it seems like, 100 times over the last, like, five years. So it's it's a little bit of doing the same stuff and doing different stuff, and you you want to do what you're best at, but don't but you want to trick the defense a little bit. It's kind of insane for them, both sides. And so um, at the end of the day, you change it up a little bit. You go out there, try to do your best stuff, uh, and they know you, you know them, and uh, see who wins that day. Yeah, this should be good. I mean, the weather's supposed to be cold. Maybe not as cold as it was last week in Kansas City or Buffalo, but still it's supposed to be pretty cold. Maybe some snow involved in this one. Not a big storm, I don't think. I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. But let's get the other side of this rivalry. Here's uh, Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen. 
played them every year for the last, I think, four or five years. So I think it's two teams that are very familiar with each other. So the wrinkles that they put in, that we put in, that we adjust to, you know, those are going to be key to, to winning this game. So, again, just trying to come in here and be as prepared as possible for game day. All right. I it's Ever since they replaced uh, Ken Dorsey with Joe Brady, Buffalo has looked really good. They run the ball. Josh Allen keeps the ball more. Uh, I, I'm still shocked at how Stephon Diggs is not involved in that offense. If this game were in Kansas City, I'd stick with Mahomes. I've always said there are two things I will never, ever do. One, I'll never pick Gonzaga to win it all. Never write him in the middle of my bracket. And now that Brady's retired, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I'll take the Chiefs on the road because I have two sports rules I live by. One, don't ever pick Gonzaga to win the whole thing. And two, don't bet against Mahomes. It used to be don't bet against Brady, and you'd win more times than not. So give me Mahomes to go on the road and get the win at Buffalo, crushing the spirits of all Bills Bills Mafia. Real quick, I want to do this before we get out of here because how much time do I have? Do I have two minutes or three minutes? Three minutes? All right. The Lions and the Vikings could learn something from Green Bay. All right, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Packers homer. A lot of teams in the NFL could learn this. But we're seeing it again out of Green Bay, where you draft a quarterback, sit them, and they become really good by season's end of that first year. Jordan Love's season was better than Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter. They were 6-10 and 10 that first year. Obviously, they have a chance to go to the NFC Championship game. Numbers-wise... He was, I think, number one or two in total touchdowns in the NFL behind, I think, Dak or Purdy or whatever. Like it's, it's his, his first year has been amazing. Jared Goff is a free agent after next year. Kirk Cousins is a free agent right now. If the Lions and Vikings want to do and keep up the success they have had, or if any team is out there with an aging quarterback who is good, Draft one early and let him sit. Now, the Lions took Hendon Hooker in round three. I think he's like 26 or 27 years old, and the Vikings drafted Jaron Hall in the fifth round. That's not what I'm talking about. First-round quarterback, second-round quarterback, somebody that they can take. If J.J. McCarthy is there at 11 for Minnesota, it would be a smart move. Give Goff the bag for two or three years. Give Kirk Cousins the bag for two or three years. Give Kirk a two-year deal worth $100 bucks. Who's going to say no to that? This team was really, Vikings were playing really well after the first few weeks. They were clicking until his Achilles popped. Jared Goff is the fourth or fifth highest rated quarterback in the NFL right now. You don't draft a quarterback when you desperately need a quarterback. Green Bay is making that apparent. Absolutely. Find somebody that can learn Ben Johnson's system, assuming he stays in Detroit. Find somebody that can learn the system. Groom him for two years. Give Jared Goff a two-year deal worth $100 bucks or something. Continue the run. You can still be really good in Detroit. The Vikings can still be really good under Kevin O'Connell with Justin Jefferson. And then in two or three years when Kirk ages out and Goff becomes 36, then you've got your young quarterback ready to go. Every team should look at what Green Bay is doing and not what Chicago is doing. They're going to draft Caleb Williams and throw him to the Wolves again. It's going to happen again, I'm telling you right now. Teams can learn. Just see what they've been doing. This has been working for Green Bay forever now. I'm out of here. Have a great weekend. Be warm, all right? Enjoy the football games. Give me the Ravens. Give me the Niners. Packers and points. Give me the Lions. And give me the Chiefs. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Kira. I can build it all. Start slipping, I think I'm